Good evening. All right. What does the model life look like? What does the, the faithful life look like? What does it look like to be a faithful leader for God? What does God want from us in this life as we try to figure out him and his creation? Joshua 15, 13 through 17 says, Caleb was assigned Hebron within the tribe of Judah, according to the Lord's instructions. Caleb drove out from there three Anakites, descendants of Anakim. From there he attacked the people of Deber. Caleb said, to the man who attacks and captures Deber, I will give him my daughter as a wife. Then Othniel, son of Kinez, Caleb's brother, captured it. Caleb gave his daughter to him as a wife. This is the awesome leader that we're going to be talking about this evening. Not Caleb, but Othniel. I'm so glad to be back with you guys uh, worshiping. I can tell when we worship, we worship with joy. It uplifted me. I hope it uplifts you guys as well. Judges 3 is going to be our main passage for this evening. Judges 3. I hope everyone had a good New Year. Nate did a, had a great sermon this morning. If you missed it, go back, listen to it, like it, share it. You can watch it on Facebook and YouTube. But we'll be in Judges this evening. Judges is a unique book, a book that's often forgotten sometimes and it's, it's left in the dust because it takes place in this, this in-between time if you will, in between major events that we like to focus on sometimes more than others, whether that be the Israelites coming out of Egypt and into the Promised Land or, you know, the monarchy of God's people. However, we often forget the people there that are stuck in the middle, people that did great works for God and his kingdom, people that we can learn from and and use to aspire to be more Christ-like. The Hebrew writer even sums up these men and women of faith for the, the sake of time. After listing a long list of other servants of God, he says in 11, Hebrews eleven thirty two through 34 And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jethu, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets, whom through, and this is encouraging, Faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of a sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. So let's travel through the book of Judges here and see what God has to say. God says the most profound things, and he reveals so much to us in his complete scriptures, and especially in the details of life that we often glance over or we take for granted and we can forget. The book of Judges is really fascinating. I encourage everyone to read it, but it's not always for the pain of heart. It shows humans for who they can really become without God and without God in their life. It shows the evils of man and, and man's heart without God. These judges will look at these coming lessons and these next sermons here are not without flaw. God uses all these people and sometimes the worst of sinners for his plan and his glory. These judges are not judges in the sense that you know, they judge people in a court of law. Well, they did do that sometimes. In addition, they were rulers in a sense, usually military leaders, and they were called by God to help deliver Israel out of oppression when God saw fit. The judges were not rulers as kings that inherited a position. They were not 
you know, presidents that were elected in that way, they were chosen by God, for God, to deliver and save God's people from oppression when they had a repentant heart. Israel was also not, at this time, what you would think of as a country as one nation. It was more of a confederacy, a loose connection of separate tribes. And each tribe kind of kept to themselves. And together, though, they were unified for a common interest and cause. And that interest and cause was supposed to be God, but unfortunately, as we will see, that's not always what happened. Each tribe, though, was responsible for fulfilling God's plan to rid the land of the Canaanites, which were a moral corruption. I want you to think about that for a second. What are some things in our lives that could be a moral corruption? What are some things that could be a moral corruption that we need to get rid of? In the beginning, the Israelites and the tribes here, they were doing all right. But eventually, they got lazy, if you will, and they decided not to obey God. They kept the Canaanites in the land to dwell with them. Often, they used the Canaanites as slave labor. The point is, they didn't do as God commanded. They failed. And of course, like I said, the first judge we'll look at tonight is Othniel. Othniel sets the precedent for the rest of the judges, how they are supposed to act and perform. A judge is meant to be a leader, a leader picked by God. We're all leaders, in a way, picked by God. We may not have the same authority or role as others, but we're all meant to lead people to him and to his kingdom. As men and women of God, we should be standing out in character, in knowledge, in spirit, to lead and influence people. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says that we should be imitators of God and walk in love. And this is what I want us to think about as we pick up our story in Judges 3, verses 7 through 11. Read with me there. Judges 3, 7 through 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals, and the Asheroth. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushan-Rathium, king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Cushan-Rathium eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who would save them, Othniel, the son of Kenez. Caleb's younger brother, the spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan, Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Cushan, Rishathaim. And so the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel, the son of Kenez, died. Now, if you haven't heard any of my other sermons, you'll notice I'm not very good at English, so as I go through these, uh, these Hebrew, you've got to bear with me. I will, I will make a mistake here. But in Judges 3, verse 7, what does it say there? The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals. If we're not careful, we can forget God too. In a similar fate, just like the Israels, we can detach ourselves from God. We can forget God and what he's done for us as a people of faith. A good leader does not forget God and his holiness. I want to think about this forgetfulness for a second here. You know, if I'll give you a scientific illustration. Our brain, it's meant to absorb information. 
And it does a pretty good job at that. It's been doing that since we were born. It takes that information, it tries to apply it to other common information that we've learned to create this perception of how we have view this world, how we witness and experience this world. Now, inside our minds, there's this thing called neurons, right? These are cells in the brain that help collect data, and these neurons, they create pathways to other neurons and sending signals into the body, giving it function and knowledge in the world around us. It's pretty cool how God's creation works this way. These are called, when this happens, neural pathways. The stronger the pathway, the better we get at that task, the better we understand that subject. At first, the pathway, it starts as just this, this little trail. However, as we try to understand this new thing or this new process, we gain more experiences and we continue to do this thing over and over and over and over again. And pretty soon, that trail turns into a highway and it becomes stronger. And then we become better and better at that certain activity or subject. Now, why do I mention this? Well, when it comes to our spirituality, we can create you know, neural pathways that point to our understanding of God, our Creator, or we can create neural pathways that lead us into a stronger hold of our sin. The less we do this certain activity, the less we do this subject, the less we use this information, then the less that road or neural pathway is used, and it begins to decay. And this can either be a bad thing or a good thing, depending on what that pathway is connecting us to. Is it God or is it our sin? God created this function in our brain. He created it for a purpose. We can use it for his glory or our demise. And the less we try to connect with God, the less those pathways continue to grow and we start to forget God. And if we're not careful, that forgetfulness can become our fate. We don't want to forget God. We don't want to forget Him and His Word. Have you ever gotten to the end of the day or even the end of the week and thought, have I taken the time to think about or even acknowledge God today, this week? We should want to connect with Him at a deeper level and grow those neural pathways, if you will, into a superhighway that helps us understand Him, helps us understand His Word, so that our faith can grow stronger and stronger. In Judges, we see these people. These are God's people who are with God at first, but as time continues to pass, they connect with God less and less. And the previous generation of Israel doesn't teach that next generation about God. And so that connection it begins to decay, and they forget God. A godly leader is one who teaches, is one who is forward-thinking, someone who does not forget the power of God, doesn't forget the power of God, and teaches the greatness of Him and His Word to the next generation. Othniel, he pops up in Judges 3. We read that. But he's first introduced in Joshua 15, 15 that we read at the beginning of this sermon. And we read also a repeat of that story in Judges 1. Let's look at Judges 1. Judges 1, 12 through 13. It says, And Caleb said, He who attacks Tirasipher 
and captures it, will give him, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, for a wife. And Othniel, the son of Kinez, Caleb's younger brother, captured it, and he gave him Aksa, his daughter, for a wife. Paige doesn't know yet, but we're going to name our daughter Aksa, so just... <laughs> no, no. Othniel is believed to be either you know, the brother or the nephew of Caleb. The Hebrew doesn't quite make it clear, but either way, Othniel, he comes from a great family. If you remember, Caleb was one of the 12 spies that went into the promised land to spy out that land, but he was one of two spies that encouraged the Israelites to do as the Lord had commanded them, to fear God and to take that land that he promised him. We get a glimpse here in Judges 1 of Othniel's courage when he fears God, beating the odds against you know, what most people would be hesitant and very afraid of doing. He allows God to lead him into battle, and God blesses Othniel with a victory there in Judges 1. Othniel, it seems, is clearly influenced by something. It could be probable to say it was Caleb and, and his faith. God sees this. And he uses it later in Judges 3 when God appoints him to be a judge for the people of Israel. And so when the time comes for God to deliver the people of Israel from their oppressor, he uses Othniel in Judges 3 verse 9. Look at Judges 3 verse 9. Judges 3 verse 9, it says, When the Israelites cried out for help to the Lord, he raised up a deliverer for the Israelites who rescued them. His name was Othniel, son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother. Influence, it matters. Who we influence and who we allow to influence us is very important. As we enter the new year, are we strengthening relationships that are going to encourage us to grow closer to God? Are we looking up to people who are leading us closer to God in the same way that we need to be you know, leading people to God? We all have this fear of influence, people that look up to us, people that want to be around us. These are people that we can have either a positive or a negative impact on. And if we're not allowing people of God to influence us, then this is going to trickle down into our relationships and create this negative effect. And you may be saying, well, yeah, well, what if, you know, I didn't grow up with a faithful family? I wasn't influenced by faithful, godly parents. I didn't have a family like Othniel. I didn't have access to a great leader of faith that did great things for his kingdom. The beauty of being a Christian is that no matter your starting point, is it provides us with a family, connections with people that want to be closer to God. It should supply us with a sphere of people connected with God and others who have the same goal, getting to Jesus. Change, it starts with us and our decisions. Leaders create for themselves positive change when they make that decision to follow God. That's going to influence us to become stronger, faithful servants of God. Even further than that, once we have surrounded ourselves with positive, godly influences, it's important that we pass them along by influencing others that may have the potential that God saw in Othniel. Like I said, influence matters. 
Leaders create an environment of, of positive influences, and they work to influence others. It matters how we influence others and who we allow to influence us. A role model starts to become a role model when they surround themselves with people who make godly choices and begin to imitate those actions in their lives. A godly leader desires the influence of God and his people. These godly influences start in both our family at home and in his kingdom. And when we surround ourselves with people of good influence, well then, it raises us up. Look at Judges verse, verses 3 through 9. Judges chapter 3, verse 9. It says, The Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel and saved them. When we open ourselves up to God's influence, we allow God to do great things in our life and to raise us up for his plan. Our faith that elevates us from who we were in the past and drives us to be what is godly. Once we can do that, God will he'll work in our lives. We open ourselves up to his spirit to do great things in our life. Look at verse 10. It says, The Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. He went out to war, and the Lord gave Cushan Rishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed. His hand prevailed. Another version might say, The Lord's Spirit empowered Othniel. Othniel will not have been able to do what he did without God by his side, without the Lord's Spirit guiding him and empowering him. As servants of God, we do great things because God gives us the power and the influence to do those things, not because of us and who we are and our own power. We cannot mimic God's power by ourselves and our own power. As Christians, we are uniquely different for a reason. We're uniquely different for a reason, and it should be because His Spirit is in us, giving us a desire to do what is righteous and holy in God's eyes. Our desire is to do what He wants for us in our life. As Christians, we have this Holy Spirit. We can, when we come up out of that water, putting on Christ, when we were baptized, we receive that Holy Spirit. Acts 2.38 says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our desire to do what is godly and righteous comes from the Holy Spirit and the Spirit working in us to reveal the truth of God's scriptures. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then Paul reminds the saints in Rome and within us, the power of God's Spirit in Romans 8, 26-27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. To be clear, I'm not talking about healing, laying on hands, speaking in tongues. But I am talking about the influence the Holy Spirit has in raising us up and empowering us to be who God knows we can become according to the will of God. 
Othniel, he saw victory in the people of Israel because God saw the repentance in their hearts and the character of Othniel and his relationship. Even though we're not given much information about Othniel, what we read about is good things. And while he was in probably no way perfect, for example, in the way that Jesus was, his faith and his actions resemble a lot of what Christ did in a similar fashion. God raised him up to deliver and to save God's people from Kushan there in verse 9. Sounds kind of similar, like someone else we know. But in contrast, God raised a deliverer to save his people from their sins. That deliverer is Jesus. Being the model Christian, the ideal faithful servant, is working to mold our faith to be more Christ-like. Today, we don't need deliverance from Christian. We don't need deliverance from a physical army, but we do need deliverance from our sin. It says there, if we take a step back, look at Judges 2, verse 3. This is after the Israelites failed to drive out the morally corrupt paganite, uh, pagans and Canaanites living in this promised land. And the Lord tells them that the Canaanites, they shall become a thorn in their sides, and the Canaanite God shall be a snare to you. A snare is a trap. It's a trap that we fall into. Our sin, it allows us, if, if we allow it to live in our life and to dwell where we dwell, it will become a trap for us. If we're not careful, a snare that keeps us trapped from God. There's only one that can free us from this snare, the snare of the sin in our life, and that's Jesus. Jesus, being God in human form, was raised up to deliver us from our sin. Jesus was empowered by God to save us from our sin, and Jesus was influenced by God, and he saved us from our sin. If we don't accept Jesus as our salvation, then that sin that we struggle with will become a thorn in our lives, similar to the way the Canaanites were to the Israelites. When we look at Othniel and his leadership, his influence, and the empowerment by, by, by God, he he saved the Israelites with God's help. And what happened in Judges 3, verses 10 through 11? And the, his hand prevailed over Cushan, Rishathiam. And so the land had rest 40 years. Then Othnel, the son of Kenez, died. When we are, are rescued from that sin, we find rest. The Israelites got to experience that rest for 40 years. And this, is, this rest is more than just a break. It's a sense of peace that comes from God. In this context, keeping the Israelites away from conflict and captivity, Jesus encourages us by saying, however, in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For us, when we are freed from the snares of our sin, we're given this peace away from our sin and promised eternity in this promised land, in heaven. Now, we can't, we can't be like Jesus, in a sense, and free people from their, their sins, the snares of their sins. That's his job. That's his job only. But like Othniel, we can lead people to God, and we can influence people positively. Othniel led people to victory. We can lead people to our victor, Jesus, 
who can save them from the traps of the sin. And if we don't, well, that keeps us from being who God wants us to be, faithful leaders and servants of his. So what does your faith look like? Is it a dying faith that, that's forgetting God? Because if it is, let's rejuvenate it. Let's rejuvenate it if we're struggling, and, and let's make it lively again, remembering the greatness of God instead of forgetting God. We should be using our faith to influence others and be influenced by God. He, with his spirit, has the ability to empower us and to lead us to him, desiring righteousness and a deeper understanding for him and his word. And if we can do this, then with our faith, we can lead people to Jesus, our Savior and Deliverer. Through him, through Jesus, we prevail. If you don't have Jesus in your life, make that change now. You can make a positive change in your life, a change that won't just change your physical life, but will change the future of your soul as well. The influence and power of God in our life can change anyone caught in the snares of sin, no matter how hard or deep that trap may seem. It's never out of reach from God's power and saving grace in His Son, Jesus. So make that choice today. After the Israelites understood that the Canaanites would you know, be a snare, they cried out, they lifted up their voices and wept. They felt remorse and a longing to do what is right with God. If you feel that repentance in your heart, do as God says in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand that? And you would like to be baptized. Come forward. We stand and we sing.